Hey, this is Dylan Scarangelli, and I'm a senior at App State. Thank you for listening to the RUF at App State podcast. To find out more about RUF, please visit www.appstate.ruf.org. Yeah. Woo! Hey, it's really good to see you guys again. Oh, I don't have this on. It's really good to see you guys again. Uh, if I don't know you, for you, this is your first time. Uh, a special welcome to you. Welcome to RUF. Uh, my name is Chris. I'm the campus minister. On Wednesday nights, we sing songs, look at the Bible. That's pretty much it. Um, but life transforming. Um, it's really good to have you guys. Um, a special welcome, like I said, if you're new. Uh, wherever you're coming from, we on the front of our little piece of paper, it says that regardless of who you are, you're welcome to RUF, and we really mean that. So if you're like, you're like, this is weird. This is I'm like, I'm not a religious person. Like I talked to someone at like at like a club fair, and he's like, what's rough, you know? And it's like it was a dog enthusiast club, obviously. And um, anyway, he, he, I was like, well, it's a it's a it's a campus ministry, and he's like, well, I'm not really religious. And I didn't really know what to say with that, to that, so I said, like, yeah, me neither. Um, <laughs> and, like, I think I was just, like, saying something different than he was. But, um, anyway, uh, happy that you're here. Um, this semester we're going through the Apostles' Creed. I put it in the little paper this time because, like, you might not know what the Apostles' Creed is. And that's great. But the Apostles' Creed is this ancient uh, belief statement, the Christian church, going back thousands and thousands of years that Christians, when we say what we believe, this sort of summarizes it in its most distinct form. And Roman Catholics say this, Protestants say this, all kinds of uh, Christian folks uh, agree on this stuff. So tonight we're, we're on the, the second part there in God the Father Almighty. Um, freshmen, you may or may not be feeling this yet, but if you've been here, if you're, if you're a sophomore and beyond, and maybe if you're a freshman, you're feeling like the dread... You know, like you were away for the summer and you were working at a camp or you were doing whatever it is that you do, that you people do. And um, now you're back and it's like the second week and you're thinking about all the things that you have to do, right? And there's like this sense of like gloom, like impending dread of like, I have all these things I have to do. Like there's theoretically all these papers that are going to be written and they're sort of in the back of my mind. And... In my life, the first two weeks of school are like your last two weeks of school. It's like finals for me. And like every morning I wake up with this sense of like just dread. Like there's so much stuff to get done and I'm like freaking out. And when that happens to you, my question for you is what finally convinces you to get out of bed and like start doing all these things that you're dreading that you have to do? You have to go to class, these papers, maybe you have to go to work. Um, you know Stanley on The Office... Uh, what convinces Stanley to get up every morning and go to work is pretzel day. And, uh, you know, he lives for pretzel day. And because you know, at the end of pretzel day, what does he say? 364 more days till the next pretzel day. And um, for you, I don't, I don't know what it is. Maybe it is, well, I need to get up because I got to get good grades because if I don't, then my mom and dad say I have to come back home. Okay, womp, womp. Um, and then you have to go to like UNC Greensboro or something and um, <laughs> uh, beautiful in the historic campus um, so, so maybe it's that maybe it's like I gotta, I gotta go to school I gotta go to class because I gotta get good grades cause I gotta get a good job or I gotta get into grad school at the place I wanna go to or maybe it's like I get up finally I convince myself to get out of bed because I get to see him today 
or get to see her today. Now, regardless of whether they plan on seeing you, um, you get to see them that day. Some of you, some of you, and like this, sometimes this is my motivation. I need to get up because I feel bad about myself when I'm unproductive, and I don't want to feel bad about myself. Therefore, my motivation is I don't want to feel bad about myself, so I get up. Um, maybe it's really noble, like. There's justice that needs to be done in the world, and I got to get up because I got to do the justice that needs to be done in the world. Uh, or there's there's RUF tonight, right? And uh, thank you for validating me. And um, so there's something really fun going on today. So I want to get up for that. And um, tonight we look we're looking at this section of the creed in God the Father Almighty, and. Whatever that thing is that finally gets you out of bed in the morning, uh, it sounds kind of weird, but that's like, a, that's like a worship conversation that you're having with yourself. When you're like, what's going to get me out of bed? The thing that finally gets you out of the bed is what you have decided is really, really, really central and important to you. Because only what we worship can motivate us to do something, to get out of bed, to get out there and take some sort of action. And tonight, as we look at what does it mean to believe that God is an almighty father. Um, to the degree which you, when you get up in the morning, you go, I'm identifying myself and I'm a child of God. Therefore, I will get up and do this thing. To the degree that which you're saying that to yourself and believing that is to the degree that you're believing that God is an almighty father. So we're going to be in 1 John. Um, it's on your sheet, but if you have a Bible, in the back of the book is a bunch, a bunch of maps and weird stuff. And then there's Revelation, if you're going backwards, which is more really maps and weird stuff. And then Jude, 3rd, 2nd, and then 1st John. Uh, we're going to be in 1st John at the end of chapter 2. So uh, we, we really believe that this is God's word. So let's, uh, let's give our attention to it. 1st John, chapter 2, starting in verse 28. And now, little children, abide in him. So that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. God's word. Let's ask for God's blessing. Father, we thank you for your word. Uh, Every week we say, Lord, your word's enough. We thank you for it. We say amen to it. And uh, Lord, know that you will work. And because you're gracious, Lord, would you be with us by your spirit? Uh, Open our our eyes that we might see. Open our ears that we might hear. um, And that we would know you as our father through Jesus, your son. We pray in his name. Amen. So tonight, this is what we're going to look at. We're kind of going bit by bit and going, what does it mean to believe in Jesus? What does it mean to believe that God is a father? That he's an almighty father. And John basically wants us to know three things about the father. This is convenient because then you can remember there's only three things. Um, And this is all you need to know um, on the subject. I'm just kidding. Um, He wants us to know the father's love. 
He wants us to know the Father's name, and he wants us to know the Father's attributes or his traits. So the Father's love. Look at the beginning of, of, of chapter 3 there. Um, he says, see what kind of love the Father has given to us. If you're reading the Greek, it's very emphatic. John's, he's making a command. He's telling you very emphatically, hey, look, look. Look at this great love that the Father has given to us. He wants us to be amazed, to be astounded by this love, to, to, to really focus our eyes on it and, and, and behold it with wonder. Um, and here's why you should be amazed by God's love. Uh, we'll just start here. Um, I don't want to get unpopular at the end, so I'll just be unpopular at the beginning. Um, we should be amazed that God has shown love to us because we are not naturally God's children. Um, according to the scripture, we all by birth and by nature belong to a very different family than the family of God. Uh, if you were with us last semester, we looked at Ephesians, and Paul in Ephesians says, Hey, you were by nature, all of you human beings, by nature children of wrath. Okay? The family that you were born into is a rebellious family that puts itself against God. Uh, Every couple years, like, I don't know who it is, like the Bilderbergs or whatever, you know, that decide what's going to be in all the magazines and on news, because, you know, there's there's people that decide all these things, and um, anyway, that's a, anyway, that's a conspiracy theory joke. (laughs) Thank you, and, um, but every couple of years, like, you'll see on magazines and on the news, like, this question of, like, are people fundamentally good, Right? Like, do we have good hearts? Are we born good? Or are we born evil? And uh, I don't know where, where you fall on that question, like, when you, when you think about yourself. Um, I don't know how you evaluate yourself. But most people, I think, if you ask them, say, like, are you, like, a good person? Or are you, like, a bad, evil person? Uh, most people would say, well, I'm not, I'm not perfect, right? But, like, I'm not, like, bad either. Like, I think I'm, I'm pretty good. But I'm not, I'm not perfect. Um, in God's economy, according to the scripture, um, you're either actively working as a child of God to further his kingdom and glory and all that. Or you're actively working to tear down his kingdom, pull him off the throne, and oppose him in everything you do. And all of us, okay, everybody in here, everybody in the world, is by birth born into that rebellious family that were by nature children of wrath. And um, but what God has done, he says there, he says, see what kind of love the Father has given to us. He's not saying, see what kind of love the Father feels toward you. Although, obviously, God the Father does feel love. Um, he's saying this, this is a very active thing. See what kind of love he's given to you, that he's adopted you. You weren't in his family. And he's come to you as a little child. And he's rescued you from this other family. And he's adopted you and put you into his family. Um, But in order for God to bestow his love on us. Okay, when we think about God's God's adopting us, right? um, We think we're like these these, these cute little kids, right? And we're kind of wayward. But, you know, kind of like hard knock life, you know. And you're like little orphan Annie. And, uh, you know, but you're pretty good. And God comes and he scoops you up, right? Um, I have children, and I can tell you that you don't have to teach children to be rebellious. Um, you do have to teach children to share, right, to be kind to each other. Because by nature, they bite you. And they scream in your face. And um, they hit you. 
and they hit their sister over and over again. Um, and that's who we are. Like, I've learned what the term gnashing of teeth means by having um, children. And it's not like, it's not like, what we were talking about this, like, it's not like they're in pain. It's they're like, like, they want to tear you down. Like, you're not, you don't, you can't tell me what to do, you capricious, mean person. Um, but God is a father, right, to these children. But God's an almighty father. So we say we believe in God the Father Almighty. God is the creator of the universe. We're going to look at that next week. Uh, he sits on the throne. And God's uh, plan and purpose for the world is for goodness and beauty and purity and holiness and righteousness to reign on the earth. And he can't have you as a rebel bringing your rebellion into the goodness that he is bringing on the earth. He will not have that. Um, he, loves, uh, he loves you and he loves his world. He loves his creation. He loves himself too much. So as rebels... As those that would mar the goodness of the world. God, we have no reason to think that we could stand before God and just be brought in. Um, we would be melting away in his presence. It's what John says there at the, sort of the beginning of the passage. Like, I don't, so, you know, let's have confidence and not shrink back. In our state, when we see God, we shrink back from him. Our sin has to be accounted for. Our rebellion has to be accounted for before we can belong to God. Because he's a father, yes. But he's an almighty father, so, what he did was he sent his son. He's a father. God's always eternally a father. And God the son is always eternally a son. That's part of their nature. And uh, he sent his son. And Jesus said, that rebellion, I will take that rebellion on the cross. Um, we have this sense that Jesus sort of like ambiguously died for our sin. Uh, he died for the rebellion that we would bring into God's kingdom. The thing that we would not be had in our hearts. God wants our heart, and we would not give it to him. So Jesus went and he died for that so that we could be brought in. He drank God's wrath so that we could no longer be children of wrath. And he's adopted us as his son. So that you, if you trust Jesus, not because you've gotten it together, not because you're really good looking, even though you are, um, but because of what Jesus has done, you can be adopted into God's family. And did you, did you know that like, you didn't come into God's family as like this beautiful like powdered bottom baby, but as like a rebellious, teeth gnashing, I want to tear you down, I hate everything that you're about, and God has brought you in by his grace. Did you know that? Um, That's why John says, look, and be amazed, um, because he's brought us in by his grace. So that's the Father's love, Um, but God in his love adopts us into his family, and then he gives us his family name. Look there in in, uh, verse 1 again. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. Okay, We were children of wrath, now we're children of God. Uh, I have two daughters and a wife and a daughter on the way. I used to have a girl dog, too, but um, we got rid of her. Uh, She's still alive. Um, She's in a better place, but she's still alive. And... uh, and, so um, I'm not. Tr- I mean, I'm not trying to like overgeneralize, but like you know, like we watch a lot of like girly um, things, and I've become a pretty good connoisseur um, of uh, of what we would call the chick flick genre. Um, and uh, I tell you, I, w- I came in the other night, and my wife was watching Pretty Woman, and um, they just don't make them like Pretty Woman anymore. If you've ever seen Pretty Woman, uh, it stars Julia Roberts, who was sort of like the original Lana Del Rey. If you look at them, they look a lot alike, and. Um, and Richard Gere, and uh, if, if you know anything about the story of Pretty Woman, it's a great movie, but um, Julia Roberts is a prostitute, right? 
and, um, and she's a pretty woman, um, and that's why I love it. Um, uh, and she's, anyway, she's a prostitute, and Richard Gere is this, like, really, like, uh, uh, important, like, sort of lawyer, business kind of guy, and he's really rich, and he's driving around L.A., he's from New York, and he picks up Julia Roberts, who's a prostitute, but he doesn't pick her up for his services, he picks her up because he needs directions, right, so he's going to pay her $20 for directions, and they hit it off in the car, and they go back to the to his hotel, and he brings her up, and she stays the night, you know, and he, he like, treats her well, like, you know, he doesn't sleep with her and all this stuff, and um, they begin to sort of, like, have this friendship, which becomes love, and, um, and so they, she stays there. The next morning, you know, she's wearing, it's like, it's like, you know, legit prostitute gear, and, um, and she's in this, like, fancy hotel, like, up on the pen, in the penthouse, and um, he, tell, he gives her some money. He says, I want to take you to dinner tonight. But, um, you know, you can't wear that. So uh, here, he gives her, like, this wad of money. And he sends her to, to, to go buy clothes. And he goes off to work. And so she goes down. And she says, where do I shop? And they say, you know, Rodeo Drive, baby. And uh, this movie is so 90s. It's great. There's a lot of shoulder pads. It's really good. And um, so she goes to Rodeo Drive. And she walks in the stores. But, you know, she's wearing this, like, it looks like Kim Kardashian's bathing suit. You know, it's like cut in like really we- weird holes in weird places. And, um, she walks in and the very like snooty ladies that are working in this fancy store, they're like, can we help you? And she's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, how much is this? And the lady's like, oh, I don't think that would fit you. And she's like, well, I didn't ask how, if it would fit me. I asked how much it costs. And she's like, it's very, very expensive. I don't think we have anything for you here. And uh, she sends her away. Obviously, she's, you know, she doesn't, be- you don't belong here. Okay. Why don't you just go ahead and leave? And uh, when she tells this to Richard Gere later, he gets really upset, right? And um, he takes her back down to Rodeo Drive in her prostitute gear. And um, he goes to go into the store, and she's like, she's like they're, they're mean to me. They don't like me. And he said, they're always mean to people. They're only nice to credit cards, right? And he takes her into the store. It's a really great scene because he walks in with this prostitute, and um, he goes. He gets the manager, and the manager comes over, and he, and he, and he says to the manager, he says, we're going to spend an obscene amount of money. So we're going to need more people helping to suck up to us because that's what we really like. Okay? And then he just proceeds to drop an ungodly amount of money on, on her clothes. And uh, then this great scene later on, she's all dressed up. She's beautiful. She has her bags. And she walks into the other store, and she's like, you work on commission, right? She's like, you know, big mistake. You know, um, it's, it's a really, really great movie. Um, but she identified with Richard Gere. He went before her into this store with his card, with his name, uh, with his capital, and said, she's with me. Okay? She's bearing my name. And everyone treated her accordingly. Um, most of you would, would, would just kill yourself for recognition. Uh, you would kill yourself um, for people to tell you that you're good enough. Um, that you belong. Um, most of us, we all would. Um, but if you're like me, you're trying to get that recognition um, with your grades. Well, I'm not trying to give them my grades. Um, thank, thankfully. Uh, you're trying to get it with your wit, with your good looks. Um, and everything that you're trying to get recognized for pales in comparison to having the name of God to belonging to the family of God and being called one of God's children, that you're brought in, literally off the street, a rebel, and you are seated in God's family and given his riches. Um, So God's love, he adopts us, he gives us his name. 
Um, so we have the name of Jesus, the name of God's family. Um, and as we, as we begin to, to sort of uh, be part of God's family, we start to show the family attributes. Uh, is Glenn here? Is Glenn here? Okay. Glenn's, name is, Glenn's dad's name is Ned, and um, it's a great name for a dad. And um, I wish my name was, was Ned. Uh, is that like his whole name? Edward. Edward. He just goes by Ned. Okay, of course. Um, as they do. And um, for you to say, Ned is my father, for Glenn to say, Ned is my father, um, means more than Ned is biologically responsible for my existence. Okay? Um, it certainly means that. Um, but as a son or a daughter of a father, you bear certain family attributes. Um, if you, you might be like me, and I, I want to be really careful. I, we're talking about God as a father, and I know that a lot of you guys have, to, to say the least, complicated relationships with your father. Uh, I understand that, and I'm really sensitive to that. Um, you might be like me, and like I was the single mom kid, only child, dad was not in the picture. Okay, So... Just know, just know that, that like, if you've got problems with your dad, welcome, you know, like you're in good company. I would love to sit down and cry with you about your dad. Um, but anyway, uh, or just laugh and pretend like it's not a big deal. Um, <laughs> which expires around like 26. Anyway, um, but even if your dad wasn't in the picture, you still bear a striking resemblance to them. You, have, you carry some of their attributes. Like my dad was very tall, dark hair, dark eyes, uh, ruggedly handsome. And um, I don't know why you're all laughing. And, um, but maybe you got, you got your light eyes from your dad or your freckles or your terrible singing voice. You bear some, um, something to do with your dad. And when you say... You know, Ned or Steve or Mike or Dan or whatever is my father. It's saying something about yourself, right? Because you bear some of those family attributes. And what John is telling us here, when he's saying, like, when we see him, we'll be like him. And he's saying, like, everyone who practices righteousness is, is born of God. Um, or, like, uh, at the very end, he says, and everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. John's saying that as we relate to God as our father, we begin to bear the family traits. And the trait that exemplifies and and defines God is righteousness. Um, That he is righteous. And so you, as his child, become more and more righteous. Um, Last week we said that belief, believing is really misunderstood. That word becoming right, that term becoming righteous is just as misunderstood. Because when I say you're going to become righteous, what almost everybody in this room is thinking is, I'm going to stop behaving as badly as I do and start behaving in a better way. You know, like there's bad things. Like I look at bad sites on my phone or on my computer or I like think really judgmental thoughts and then when it's just me and like my one girlfriend, like we, sit, we, talk, we tell each other the bad judgmental thoughts. Um... <laughs> Or, like, you maybe you, you, you drink too much, or um, maybe you think that, like, being righteous will just be, like, I'll just be happier all the time, and I won't get so, like, down about stuff and stressed about stuff. Like, I'm just going to be a happier person. Um, we tend to equate righteousness with behavior, okay? And what I want you to please understand is that beneath that behavior is something else. 
and it's darker, and it's the kind of thing that you can't put your finger on, but it's the kind of thing that gets you up in the morning and motivates you. Um, and it's, it's sort of the, this, this quiet thing that, that no one knows and you don't really understand, but it makes you bear behavior. Um, God will not rest if you're his child until he gets at that thing. Okay? Until he gets at that secret sin that's beneath all your behavior. When you, when you become right, you bear that family trait of righteousness, yes, your behavior will change to some extent, but God is not primarily, hear me say this, God is not primarily concerned with your behavior, okay? Because I know some of you well enough to know you don't sleep around and you don't drink and you don't do the bad things and you are dying on the inside, okay? Um, God wants to get at that thing inside you and he's not going to rest until this, until the thing that motivates you, the thing that stirs your heart, the thing that gets you out of bed is knowing that you don't belong on Rodeo that you don't belong in God's family, but he has brought you near to him because of what Jesus has done. And that will begin to seep into your heart and to change everything that you do. Look, uh, okay, I watch Frozen a lot, and um, I'm going to try and get a Frozen reference in, I think, every single week. Um, Anyway, my daughter watches Frozen a lot, and it's the most Christian movie that I've seen in a long time. I'm just going to put that out there, okay? Everybody, someone's going to come to me later and yell at me about some stupid scene that they think is something that it isn't, and I'm going to tell you that Frozen is the most Christian movie I've seen in a long time. What does Olaf say at the end of the movie, right? Okay, okay. if you haven't seen Frozen, I'm just really sorry. Um, uh, you know, Anna, she's, she, she's, she's turning to ice, right? And then she's, she's standing there, and she's presented with these two choices, right? Kristoff is running toward her to give her true love's kiss that's going to melt thaw her heart right, and then her sister is about to be struck down by this terrible guy, and what does she do? She slides over and she, she stops the guy from striking her sister down, and she, and she turns to ice, and then what begins to happen? She, she, she melts, right? And what does Olaf say? It's a great line. Well, that's a different part, but that's a really good line too. Um, he, said, he, he says, ah, an act of true love will thaw a frozen heart, right? There is nothing in this Oh my gosh, gets to make him crying. And uh, what John is telling us is that thing in your heart, that frozen, deep, dark part of your heart, that only an act of true love in Christ, giving his grace to you by what he's done on the cross, will begin to melt your heart. And as you relate to God as your Father, you will change. But if you're trying to change um, on your own, uh, it won't happen. Your doing uh, flows from your being. Please understand that. You will never truly change until you start to become captivated with the fact that you're God's child. So that starts to get you up in the morning. Um, what is get, what's getting you up in the morning? Uh, let's pray. Father, we thank you that um, because of Jesus we can belong to you. And we thank you that you will begin to bear fruit in our lives. Lord, not just behavioral modification, though you will do that. But Lord, you will get deep um, to the, the recesses of our heart that Lord still desperately want to rebel against you. And Lord, you will change them. So Lord, if there's any of us, and I know there are, Lord, here tonight that don't know 
uh, you as our Father, Lord, or are gnashing our teeth against you, would you subdue us by your grace? Pray in Jesus' name.